Hey, Bobby, welcome to the call. Hi, Lee. I'm delighted to be here. Photography is the science of capture. It's science, but it's also very artful and, and super magical. How has photography remained magical for you? There's a saying about you're never there. And that applies to so many things. Your career is constantly changing and growing. And photography is constantly changing and growing. And I'm always astounded at new ideas, new techniques, uh, new points of view. I spend a lot of time looking at what other people are doing. And I'm sometimes totally amazed about how somebody even came up with an idea to make a photograph that looked like that. So for me, it's always magical because there's always something new. It's, it's never, I'm never bored. I'll, put, I'll say that for sure. You were my teacher a long time ago, and I was shooting film back then, and you were always great at blending the technical side and the art side. Yes, yes. You're the kind of person that you can do a deep dive with gear and technique and gadgets. But I would remember in class, you would also pull us away from that sometimes and say, how does this photograph make you feel? The word that I like to use now is essence. What's the essence of the image? And, and I agree with everything you just said. I, I believe that photography is a combination between, between craft or technique and, and art. And, you know, technique is really important. It's important to know all that. But if you don't have an idea, if you don't have a concept, then you don't have a picture. As a photographer, we're visual communicators. So what is it that you're trying to communicate? And that, I think, people get, they get lost in the technical stuff and they forget about the idea. So when all of my classes, and I, as you said, I teach a lot of, of technical stuff. I, I teach a lot of lighting. I teach natural lighting and portable flash and studio strobe. And if you remember, my nickname is Mistress of Light. So a lot <laughs> of people come to me about learning about lighting, but the emphasis always starts with what's the concept. If you want to make a portrait of this person, what do you want to say about them? What do you want your viewer to know, to remember, to feel when they're no longer looking at that picture? Because all the technique in the world isn't going to do you any good unless you have an idea. That's so great because everybody can use that, whether you're a pro or just using your iPhone. Getting an idea, getting a concept, the why of that picture is such a great thing to give to people. It's so true. And how do you get people to understand about an idea, about what's going on? How do you know what makes a good photograph? How are you attracted to something? What's really important is to learn how to have actually a verbal expression of what you're trying to do visually. And I, I give my students assignments and practices about this. If you go out and you're shooting, you could be shooting you know, anywhere in the world, you could be in nature, you could be in a city, and all of a sudden, you're attracted to something and you stop and you want to make a photograph of it. Very seldom do people stop and say, oh, the reason I'm attracted to that is because what great color or look at the way that the light is falling on that or this is a tremendous graphic that just caught my eye. We automatically go to something that we're attracted to without really having the full understanding coming to the front of our consciousness about what it is that we're attracted to. And that, I think, is the key to being able to really define that essence and to understand more. You have to understand what are you attracted to? What's, what's pulling you there? And then stop and pause, as long as it's not something that's you know, a fleeting moment. Stop and examine it. Think about what is the essence? What is the story? Why are you wanting to create something from what it is that you are seeing in the real world? And if you do that, 
you will find that you go much deeper and that you'll make a much stronger photograph in the long run. So bringing that up to the front of consciousness is extremely important. Also, this makes me think about the storytelling nature of photographs, that there is a way that a photograph is not static, that you start looking at that picture and you start playing out a timeline before and after that image was captured. I'm thinking of Martin Parr, for example. There's an yes. exhibit of his coming up and all his pictures, you look at them briefly and you say, well, that just looks like a snapshot. But then you go, no, it's not. It's actually a huge narrative. It's like a three-act play in this thing. Right. He had an idea. You know, he had an idea of what he was going for. And somehow reality fell into place <laughs> to deliver that. <laughs> That's his magic. There's that wonderful saying that chance favors the prepared mind. Mm -hmm. And and that's a perfect example of that because he goes out with an idea or he sees something, he's at an event or something's going on and he sees what the potential is. And so he's already from his experience and thinking about things and understanding about his approach and knowing his technical gear. So he's not having to think about the, 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 uh, the camera mm. that he can then have the patience to wait to capture that moment, to see it when it happens, knowing that it's going to come or it's going to come close, but seeing the potential of what's there. It isn't a matter of a lucky shot. It's like, oh, you just happen to be standing in the same place at the right place at the right time. Well, if you look at people like Martin Parr and so many other people, boy, they're lucky, but they're not. They're prepared. Yeah. They're prepared and they're aware so that when it does present itself, you're completely ready to make that capture. Street photography has totally changed Yes, with digital. Everybody's carrying a camera around all the time. What's good about that and what's bad about that? <laughs> oh, that's a big question. <laughs> well, um, you know, I just recently I was reading the statistics. I, I can't even keep up anymore. There's something like a billion photographs being uploaded to Instagram a day. Or maybe it's an hour. I, I'm not sure, but it's staggering the amount of images. We're, we're in the age of images that images mean so much, yet at the same time, each individual image is only viewed for a, not even a full second before it's gone because we're looking at so many different things. So in one sense, everybody having a camera or a cell phone, which is your camera, is that you are able to capture something that that you find interesting or has meaning for you where if you were carrying around a bunch of gear, maybe you wouldn't. It's giving you opportunities to capture things that you wouldn't be able to otherwise. But on the other hand, the value of photography, of the individual image being so outstandingly strong, I think has gone down. I don't know. I don't know what the balance is. I don't know where this is going to go. You know, on the other hand, images such as anything to do with your family, you know, weddings and, and portraits and babies and all of that, that's never, ever going to go away. That's always going to remain the same because we, what means more to us than anything than our family? So that will always have great, great, great value. But the street photography, you know, how much can you look at before you're, you're done? You just got to go on to something else. It makes us remake our idea of what photography is into something like a bag of potato chips that you just keep <laughs> Eating. That's, that's a really good way to put it. <laughs> when I was your student, I was shooting with a big, gnarly, old 6x6 film camera, and I had 12 shots on right. each roll. And that made me really selective, because if I was running around on my mountain bike out in the woods and 
trying to get a picture of a tree, I had 12 shots. And if I wanted to reload that camera in the woods, in the dirt, that was my choice. So I tended to pick my shots. I would spend half an hour deciding how to do this shot. It's totally different. Now, those are Instagrammable still, but the idea, I guess what I'm getting at here is the idea of- Is taking the time. Yeah. The, yeah. You may take a lot of time, but that picture may be consumed in a moment. You know, what I was saying earlier about stopping and saying, what is the, what is it? Why am I attracted to this? What do I want to say about this tree? If you just stop yourself, even when you're shooting digital, it's easy to shoot a million pictures in digital, but that doesn't mean that you have to, but that's part of the training. I know that there's quite a few photography teachers out there now that what they're doing is that in class, if they're doing like a week-long workshop, they're having their students take black tape and taping off their LCD screen so that they cannot see what they're doing at the time. So it does make them concentrate much, much more at the time of creation. And I've always been a great believer is make it right at the time of creation, regardless of all the skills you can have in Lightroom and Photoshop or whatever editing program you want. It's better to make it right when you're actually making the image. You know, it becomes much more complicated, but it still brings you back to that if you're paying attention while you're shooting, you're going to have a better image all the way along. And it's going to mean more on every level, both to you and to your subject, if you have a subject. It's being aware. And that's, that, I think, is one of the hardest things for people to learn in photography, is to be aware of everything that's in the frame, everything that's around the edges, what's in the background, what's in the foreground. Do you want something in the background? Do you want something in the foreground? You know, all the choices that we make, there's, there's dozens of choices that you make, consciously or unconsciously. All of these things have to come together before you hit that shutter. Again, whether you're aware of it or not, you're still making that decision because as a photographer, you're responsible for everything that's in the frame. It's nobody else but you. So I take that seriously. What photography tends to teach me, and I get this, that you're teaching this to your students, is to be present in the moment and see what you're seeing. Yes. Does that help you decide what to photograph? Is there a, a, a pattern or a theme when you're, especially with street photography and maybe to some extent with portraits, where you say, that's it, that's the money shot, got to get this now? Is there a pattern there? I think that that's actually individual. Hmm. I, I can't say that there's, that for everybody, there's a certain thing, but that, that being in that awareness, you know, being in the, in the, uh, in the creative zone, you know, when we say we're in the zone, you, it's kind of like your, all your senses are on fire so that you're, you're, you become more acutely aware of everything that's going on. But, uh, you know, for finding a pattern, I think it depends upon what you do. You know, like I'm always attracted by light and I find that so many people, well, of course, people are coming in to take lighting classes from me, but so many people really don't have an awareness of light. They have an awareness of subject and they see the subject. They, they just see the subject. It's kind of like, seeing an outline of something as opposed to seeing how it's being both described physically by the direction of light and setting the mood by the quality of the light. So I'm always attracted to that. If I'm just going out shooting, I, I always try to find interesting light. If I have a day where I, the light is really kind of flat, then I have a tendency to look more for design. You know, so it's, it's a, you know, I don't know if you remember this, but my, it's still my favorite saying in photography, everything depends upon everything. Now you're running workshops all over the world, New Orleans, Venice, Iceland. 
when your students are walking around out in those cities, how do you train them to look at things? How do you, what do you say for them to say that's interesting, that's worth capturing? There's workshops and there's travel tours. Workshops are much more teaching oriented. And a travel tour is that we're here to help you. We're going to this fabulous place. And we, we still, you know, my husband, Lee Varis and I, we, we do this together. So there's always instruction and critique. But even there, we try to give people assignments. We try to say, okay, for example, Venice. If you're in the, in the city of Venice, what are you looking at? Well, you've got all the, the tones and texture. You've got the color palette. Um, you have the street photography in terms of what's happening with people on the street and how they're interacting with other people or the pigeons in St. Mark's Square. You've got the juxtaposition between people and the fantastic architecture. You see the canals and you see the gondoliers. So what we try to do is we try to say, have a focus today. Go out and find five photographs that describe something about your feeling about the history when you're walking through the streets. How do you feel about this when you're there? And so it's focusing it instead of saying, go out and do anything. Let's today, let's concentrate on this. Thinking about this, breaking it down like that helps people to just go out and do more than just a snapshot. It's so easy to do a snapshot. Just walk around and go, oh, look at that, click, without having attention to the graphics, the design, the detail, the lighting, all of that. What has been your best work over the past few years? And this doesn't have to be your most popular or you got the biggest paycheck for, but the work that you're most grateful for, maybe it surprised you or you found some new connection. This question brings to mind two things. Um, one of them I've already talked about, which is Venice. Every year that I go, it's again, I've gone for eight years now. You don't want to keep doing the same thing over and over again. So I always try to come up with an idea ahead of time that I'm looking for this, or I want to do a project that's slanted in this direction so that it stays fresh. It's, it's hard to keep something fresh when you repeat it. But Everything is always different. So I try to really think about the concepts. I think in the eight years I've been going to Venice, I think that the last three years have been my best. And there was this gorgeous costume. This woman was in white and gold. She had a gold mask. She had like this big, huge tipped hat, and she was lined with white fur. And then she had gold embroidery like all over her outfit and her hat. And I I had her underneath the portico. It was early morning light. I went back and photographed her three times because on the second time, I found an area and the way the lighting was. And I went and I showed it to her. And I said, would you come with me over here? And she looked at it and she said, yes. Hmm. So I brought her back. I set her up and I worked it. I worked it until I got everything exactly the way I want. And it is one of my, it's my favorite photograph, actually, for the last three years. I just call it the golden woman. Mm. She's backlit. The light from the pillars is like bouncing back on her. So her gold mask is glowing, but her eyes are still glowing because they're lit from the bounced light off of the column. And I won Best in Show last year in the Plymouth Center of the Arts International Photography Contest. But the other thing, the other project I live in Carver, Massachusetts. We are the cranberry capital of the world. We grow more cranberries in Carver than any place else. So I have now gotten to know some of the harvest managers. Um, I've been shooting the harvest for the last three years, and each year I'm finding more things. Each year I'm trying to concentrate on something a little bit different. You know, there's only so many images you can get of picking. 
so because I've gotten to know people, I have more access. I can get up on the trucks when they're, you know, you've seen the pictures where the big booms and all the cranberries are floating. They have like this big vacuum cleaner that sucks the cranberries up into a truck. And the truck is like two stories high. I've been having just a great, great, great time working on this. And again, it's continuing. I, I don't know exactly what I'm going to do with this, except that I find it all so absolutely fascinating. And I think anytime you're going to do a project, you have to love it. Otherwise, it's, it's not going to be, what's the point? <laughs> if you don't love it, why shoot it? So I probably know more about cranberries now than anybody else really wants to know. <laughs> <laughs> Those two things are things that I continue to do. And every year I try to do something different. I don't just show up and shoot the same thing. I try to come up with a different approach, think more about it, plan more about it. So when you can revisit something, then you have the opportunity to have more planning and to really make it just have to sing more. It just sings more. Awesome. That's great. Hey, Bobby, thanks so much for doing this call with me today. Oh, Lee, I'm delighted to be here. And I, I really thank you so much for inviting me. I'm, I'm kind of flattered that you asked me about this. And I always love to talk about photography. So happy to share whatever I can. Hey, thanks so much for joining me on this call. I'll see you next week. And feel free to share this around with your friends. <laughs>